Hi everyone, thanks for tuning in. This is the first episode of The Oxcord Chronicles, hosted by me, Nate Price. To start off my show, I wanted to talk about one of the greatest categories in misconceptions in the music world, the concept of indie music. A lot of people have heard of indie music and probably listened to what they think is indie music, but what really is indie music? I know this word is thrown around a lot, so I decided to ask my friends about what they think exactly indie music is, and here's what they had to say. I think indie music is something that you'd hear at any cafe other than Starbucks. Like, a small, pretentious cafe. Okay, so like indie music is, since it's like produced independently, like hence the name, um, like I guess that's part of it, but I do think at this point the way in which people treat it as a genre rather than like a method of music production, um, it's become like more genre than your production. Like it, it attracts a certain type of listener. Like just people who feel like indie artists who aren't. What is indie, an indie, an indie music, sir? What is <laughs> Indie music? Indie music is hash. Indie music is, I don't know. You know what's classified as indie music? I think like Phoebe Bridgers. Yeah, you could, some would say. So I think everything is indie music at this point. Literally, isn't everyone independent? Well, I mean, there's like pop and like, it's supposed to be like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) Like, is Billie Eilish indie music? Yeah. (laughs) I guess maybe I'm confused. I think. Maybe, Maybe we need it elaborated. As you can hear, the definition of indie music honestly isn't very universal. A lot of people have different opinions and ideas of what it really means to be indie, but in a general sense, indie is not a term to describe the genre of music, rather it describes the distribution of the music. Music is indie if it is not distributed by one of the three major labels, Sony, Universal, or Warner Publishing. That's it. It's nothing about genre, it's nothing about sound. Now it has maybe like morphed into a different sound because indie labels are more likely to take experimental sounds. But at its core, indie music is not a descriptor of a genre. It's rather a descriptor of the type of music distribution. I'm about to play a song from technically an indie artist that basically everyone knows. And when you hear the song, you'll probably think, I don't think this is an indie song, but based on the definition of indie music, this is an indie song. So here it goes. I'm not going to tell you what song it is, but you'll know it.
Yep, Adele is actually an indie artist, based on definition of what it means to be indie or independent. Adele is signed to XL Recordings label based in the UK, which is an independent record label, not one of the three major label subsidiaries being Warner, Sony, or Universal. So now that you know what it takes to be an indie artist, let's look at the history of indie music and how indie music has come about to be what it is today. As a disclaimer, indie can refer to any genre of music, but indie prehistorically has stood for independent rock. So I'm going to be talking predominantly about rock and like offshoots of rock music this episode, but I will dive into other branches of indie music in later episodes. Also, I will be mostly talking about English speaking music centered in the UK or the US, but I will focus later episodes on international music, non-English speaking musicians and stuff like that. But for now, there's too much information on indie music to do every single part of the world, so I'm going to focus on English-speaking indie music. The first indie band or indie act to come about, arguably, is The Velvet Underground, founded in 1964 by singer-guitarist Lou Reed, John Cale, Sterling Morrison, and Angus McLeese. Um, this band was wildly popular in its time and was actually managed by Andy Warhol in 1966 and served as the house band for Andy Warhol's art collection and multimedia show called The Exploding Classic Inevitable from 1966 to 1967. In their debut album, The Velvet Underground and Nico was released in 1967 with mixed reviews, but nowadays it's critically acclaimed. Rolling Stone deemed this album the most prophetic rock album of all time. That's a pretty bold title. So I'm going to play you a song, the most popular song from the album, known as Sunday Morning. So take a listen. Just a restless feeling by my side. Early dawning, Sunday morning. It's just the wasted years so close behind. Watch out, the world's behind. Someone around you who will call It's nothing at all Sunday morning And I'm falling I've got a feeling I don't want to know Nothing at all. 
The Velvet Underground is often seen as the indie music bible, or like the precursor to basically all indie music. Bands like the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, the Smiths, to name a few bands, all cite the Velvet Underground as one of their main sources of influence. The Velvet Underground should be known as one of the most influential bands in history. Ten years after the release of the Velvet Underground's record, The Velvet Underground and Nico, the Manchester band The Buzzcocks released an EP called Spiral Scratch in January of 1977. During the time, the band didn't have any record label to support them in their production or publication of the record. This led them to the idea of independently publishing their work. They started from scratch, and the band had to each borrow 500 pounds from their friends and family to support the production of the record. Interestingly, when the record was released, this made the Buzzcocks the first English rock band to independently produce and distribute their record. This led to the coining of the term indie. Here's the song Boredom by Buzzcocks from their 1977 EP, Spiral Scratch. The Spiral Scratch record by the Buzzcocks was a wildly successful record and acted as a starting point for many indie records throughout the UK and specifically in Manchester. 
The success of this record made many acts realize that they didn't need a major label to be successful. They just needed some money, some friends, and some good music. And that was enough. Shortly after the success of this record, a bunch of new independent record labels formed, such as Factory, Mute, and Rough Trade. The music coming from these independent record labels was nothing like the mainstream music at the time. Factory Records in particular had a quite interesting array of acts on their label. Their most notable act, Joy Division, released their first record on the label, known as Unknown Pleasures, in 1979. This record was wildly successful and deemed them one of the best post-punk acts in all of history. Here's a popular track from their album, Unknown Pleasures, called Disorder.
1983, a few years after the success of the Joy Division record, Rough Trade Records signed a small indie act from the UK known as The Smiths, which arguably became one of the most successful guitar-driven bands from the UK of all time. The success of The Smiths was a sign that indie music was going mainstream, that you didn't have to be signed to a major record label to be popular. Your music just had to be good. Next up, I'm going to play a song by The Smiths, arguably the most famous song, from their debut self-titled album, The Smiths. This is This Charming Man. of the Smiths, indie rock practically exploded. It was no longer a UK phenomenon. It had spread to the US. Bands like R.E.M., Pixies and Replacements, and other college bands became the foundation of indie rock and helped develop the indie rock scene as we know it today. There were so many indie acts at this point, it's hard to focus on exactly where next to go. A wildly influential band known as Sonic Youth, formed in 1981, emerged from the experimental no-wave movement as a reaction to the new wave movement at the time. With a quite off-putting noise rock sound, Sonic Youth became one of the most influential and popular acts to merge from the American underground. Their inventive use of alternate tunings, dissonance, and feedback, combined with the intensity of hardcore punk from previous time and the aesthetic of the New York avant-garde, 
create a new landscape in the indie scene. Sonic Youth acted as a precursor to some very famous bands like Nirvana, Smashing Pumpkins, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, Mud Honey, it goes on. Here's their song, Kill Your Idols, from their 1983 record, Confusion is Sex, plus Kill Your Idols. This song is kind of a lot, just a disclaimer. Okay, that was Kill Your Idols by Sonic Youth. Something else. <laughs> I really like that song personally, but it took me some time to get into them. Up next, I wanted to talk about one of the most famous compilation discs in the indie scene known as the C86 tape. The influential 1986 compilation C86 was originally a mounted cassette released by the UK rock weekly magazine NME, including tracks by future indie music crossover stars like Primal Scream and The Wedding Present, it showed that a new breed of bands took influence from post-punk, but also guitar-driven 60s music. C86 almost became synonymous with indie at the time because this record was so popular that, that it became a descriptor word itself. Now I'm going to play one of my favorite songs from the tape called Lazy by The Primitives. 
Hope you enjoy. As C86 gained popularity in the UK, alternative rock started to gain popularity in the United States. Most notably, the Pixies, a rock band formed in 1986 in Boston, popularized the loud, quiet, loud shift in song structures. The structure that the Pixies formed became widely used across many bands such as Nirvana, Radiohead, Smashing Pumpkins, and Weezer, and is often cited as an influence by many modern alt-rock bands. Personally, they are one of my favorite bands, so I could go on days about this band, but I'm just going to let the music speak for itself. Here's their song Debaser from their popular album Doolittle from 
God, I just love that song so much. Um, the Pixies acted as a inspiration for so many bands in the future. And I feel like I just have to play a song by Nirvana next because Nirvana cites Pixies as one of their greatest inspirations. So I found it fitting to play Nirvana next. Nirvana was originally an indie act and released their first record on Sub Pop, an indie label that is now a subsidiary of Warner Music Group, but previously was indie. In 1995, Sub Pop sold a 49% stake of the label to Warner Music Group, thereby making it no longer an indie label, but at the time of the release of the Nirvana record, it technically was indie. Here's their song, Love Buzz, from their 1989 record, Bleach.
Did you guys hear the Pixies influence in that song? I personally did, but if you didn't, that's okay. Up next, I wanted to talk about another very influential record label in the indie label scene known as Creation Record. Some of you guys might make fun of me for bringing this up because I feel like I talk about it all the time, but Creation Records is one of my favorite record labels ever. They have some of my favorite bands on there, like My Bloody Valentine, Slow Dive, The Judas and Mary Chain, just to name a few. But I really wanted to spend some time to talk about this label, even though I'm probably going to dedicate an entire episode to this label. I wanted to highlight some of the key songs that act as milestones for the history of indie music. The first band I'm going to talk about is The Jesus and Mary Chain, a band founded in Scotland in 1983. This band popularized the use of distorted guitar along with Sonic Youth and acted as a precursor to so many popular indie bands in the 1990s. So this is Just Like Honey by The Jesus and Mary Chain. Hope you enjoy. I really like this one. Tripping 
Wow, isn't that such a nice song? This band was pretty inspired by The Cure, and I would play a song by The Cure, but we don't have a lot of time, so it'll probably be a later episode, so don't worry too much. Another famous act from Creation Records is the band My Bloody Valentine, arguably one of the most popular bands of the early 90s, and popularized the shoegaze movement in indie music. Shoegaze arose as a counterculture movement to the Britpop movement at the time, which was super upbeat and happy, and in contrast, Shoegaze is very mellow, distorted, and definitely not happy like the Britpop songs of the time. My Bloody Valentine is a English-Irish rock band that started in the late 1980s, but is most well-known for their album Loveless, because this album is just insanely produced. It used guitar vibrato techniques, different tuning systems, samplers, and 19 different studios and several engineers during the recording. And it was rumored to reach 250,000 pounds. This record was so expensive that it actually bankrupt Creation Records, and My Bloody Valentine didn't release another album until 2013. Without further ado, here is When You Sleep by My Bloody Valentine.
I could spend a whole episode just on the early 90s indie rock movement, but for sake of time and completeness of the episode, I want to focus on the indie rock of the late 90s, early 2000s now. As pop music and major label records became dominating the field once again in the late 90s and early 2000s, there was a major pushback and a new resurgence of indie music. The unpolished feel of the 70s had returned, and bands like the Yaya yeah as the Strokes, Interpol, The National, and many more came to the scene. An American rock band known as The Strokes formed in 1998 in New York City. They released an EP called The Modern Age in 2001 to critical acclaim and eventually signed to a major label. The band is coined as aiding in the resurgence of the indie rock movement in New York City. While this band is no longer currently an indie act, they released their EP, The Modern Age, on Rough Trade Records, an indie label, before later signing to RCA Records to release their debut album, Is This It? On that EP was their hit song, Last Night, which I will play now.
Meanwhile, in the UK, the indie rock revival was going strong, spearheaded by the band The Arctic Monkeys, formed in 2002 on the independent record label Domino. Their record, Whatever People Say I Am, That's What I'm Not, is one of the best-selling records of all time in the UK, and effectively reignited the indie rock movement in the United Kingdom. Here's their hit song, When the Sun Goes Down. I said, who's that girl there? I wonder what went wrong so that she had to roam the streets. She doesn't do major credit cards, I doubt she does receipts. It's all not quite legitimate. And what a scummy man. Just give him half a chance, I bet he'll rob you if he can. Can see it in his eyes, yeah, that he's got a driving ban amongst some other offences. And I've seen him with girls of the night And he told Roxanne to put on her red light They're all infected but he'll be alright Cos he's a scumbag, don't you know? I said he's a scumbag, don't you know? For the last song of this episode, I wanted to focus on a modern artist signed to an independent label who I think could become a big name in the future. Biba Doobie, an indie rock band centered in the UK, signed to the independent record label Dirty Hit, is taking inspiration from previous 90s, early 2000s indie rock bands and putting a new spin on the sound. 
I'm a really big fan of this band because I hear a lot of influences that I previously cited, like Sonic Youth, Smashing Pumpkins, even Pavement on this record, and I'm super excited to see what this band will do in the future. Without further ado, here's Together by Bibi Doobie. thank you so much for listening to this episode and appreciating all the work I put into this. It really means a lot to me that you took time out of your day to listen to me talk about music for an hour. If you enjoyed my show, please let me know, reach out to me on Instagram, and tell your friends about it, and I look forward to you next week. Thanks. If you have any ideas for episodes or want to be a guest on the show, please DM Oxcord Chronicles on Instagram.